Welcome to the Wisdom Lifestyle Money Show. I'm your host, Scott Dillingham. The goal of the show is to show you how you can grow personally, financially, have a larger net worth, and leverage your largest asset to help you develop the person you want to be. I take you through all the steps I did from being nothing to being told that I was nobody and I was never going to accomplish anything, from getting kicked out of high school to owning a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio in my own company with more than 20 employees. You'll meet our partners, you'll meet our friends, you'll quickly discover how you can improve your life. So listen in and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wisdom Lifestyle Money Show. And it's your first mortgage professional, Aaron Liu, here again. And today I'm your host. And I'm here where we dive deep into real estate and investing. And as a mortgage agent, as you know, I've been working with many investors to help them get their financing query. And today we are privileged to have Victoria Cloney, a seasoned real estate expert with nearly 20 years of diverse investing experience and from pre-construction to multifamily properties, shorts and meter rentals, and even venturing into land development recently. And her journey has been nothing short of marketable. And with the 22 years career in the Canadian Armed Forces, her discipline leadership greatly influenced her strategic strategy approach to real estate, and it's a pleasure to have her share her wealth and knowledge with us today. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you, Erin. That's <laughs> lovely. And I have to first start off saying I absolutely love the name of your podcast. Wisdom is one of our, you know, main pillars of our company. And I just think it's so important. And so the fact and wealth actually, so we're very much aligned already. Awesome. Perfect. So as you I would like to know, uh, could you share your journey in resting West in particular, how your military background has influenced your approach to resting investing? Because I don't have many friends that I know who are in the military. That's really cool for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a huge uh, influence for me for how I got started investing. I always explain it was unintentional at the beginning. When I purchased my first property, I was about 19 years old. And so people can do the math if they heard the intro about uh, almost 20 years experience. Wow, I, that's yeah, I was surrounded by, you know, people that were quite a bit older than me. And so for me, it just was a natural thing to purchase a property right away. It happened to be pre-construction. And so as a 19-year-old, I'm going through picking out the flooring, picking out the cupboards, whatever the selection that the contractors were making available. Within a year, I watched the market. So I started to get a little bit savvy right away off the hop. I watched the market. I saw these properties starting to list for much higher than I purchased it for and decided to sell it. And so I sold it, made a profit, and then moved into uh, another pre-construction, but it was an actual larger house. So I was working now with packages and I'm just taking it a next level further. And from there, I purchased another home. But at this point, so this is again where the military influence came in, I was posted to the US very shortly, like maybe two or three months after purchasing this property. So instead of selling it, I decided to rent it out because I would have lost quite a bit of money. And that's really where my journey started as a landlord. And that was around 2006. From there, 
coming back from the U.S., I intended to move back into the house that I had bought, but the family was there and I didn't have the heart to ask them to leave. I was, you know, single female and I had saved up enough money to buy a condo. So that's when I started to accumulate, you know, multiple properties. I had met my husband as well, convinced him to rent out his condo. And we, you know, kind of came together and, and really a decade went by really quickly and decided to sell everything at that time. Because when I talk about not being intentional, I really meant it. It really felt like it was more of out of being resourceful out of just like needing to make sure that we weren't losing money. Mm -hmm. I resented being a landlord. I didn't enjoy getting phone calls from tenants. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't invested in learning how to properly maintain a house or the rules. I didn't have the mindset of an investor, so I didn't want to pay for property management. I didn't understand refinancing, so I wasn't maximizing my capital. And when we finally decide to sell everything and we see the money, the funds that we earned and that we, you know, had achieved over a decade of owning multiple properties, that's when the light bulb moment went off for me. And I was just like, we got to actually put this right back in the market and we got to keep going with this, except for this time around, I'm going to figure out what I'm doing. And that was a huge so at that time, you just realized you need to do something with those money. I, yeah, get serious about investing because originally I was never serious about what I was doing. I was just doing it out of necessity and resenting it throughout that time. So I really like today I'm much more involved in following what aligns and what I'm passionate about. I was not doing that back then. So I was not maximizing my returns. I was not enjoying what I was doing. And I was missing out on a lot of opportunities. Wow. And uh, I really want to know, like, how, like, where the sense or how did you realize to start doing that, even though when you were at early 20? Because I started realizing I should do that when I was 26. I wish I could be early, right? (laughs) And, like, how come? Like, how do you, because we were still at school, right? We just get into the university, college, and how, where is that from you? Very, it's funny. It's like, I look back and I think there's a lot of being in the right place at the right time situation, but also not to take away from the decisions that I made at a young age and really not having a lot of influence to make these decisions, but leaning into the risk and the fear. I've never been one to shy away from things that scare me. And so I graduated high school when I was 18. I joined the military about two weeks later. It was really four days after my 18th birthday. And then I was off to basic training and I was gone. And so it was just like one thing after another. But when I moved to Virginia, that was where I went in the U.S., and renting out that property was out of resourcefulness because it, at the time, interest rates were high. It was much like what we're at right now, the market. Mm-hmm. And so selling a property was not in my best interest. And I had enough awareness to understand that part of it. And I don't even know. I look back right now and I'm just like so proud of that girl because I, there was no access to we Social media didn't exist. There was no access to this type of podcast or that I didn't even know to look into it really I was very ignorant 
throughout that time. So I'm happy the direction that I went, but hindsight's always 2020. I mean, if I only knew then what I know now, but I'm sure a lot of us could say that. <laughs> wow, that's really impressive. So sometimes just to go for it. Don't you have to lean, Yeah, you really, you have to take responsibility for your situation. And that's what I was doing at the time. I would weigh in, do I rent or do I buy? And the people that were around me were buying properties because they were adults, like they were grownups because mm -hmm. it was military and I was quite young to be starting at 18. So my network were older members and for them, they had families and they were buying properties. So for me, it felt natural to purchase for the first time. And I remember my lawyer and even to this day, I am the youngest client that he's ever had to purchase a home with. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. And it's back in like 20 years ago already. Yeah. Oh my God. It's I'm just so impressed like how you determine it. And at that young age, you know, the most of kids are still, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, still feeling lost, right? In their life and not, doesn't have the goal. Like I was like that when I was at early 20. So amazing. I think there was some factors involved. Like my parents had, they had basically sold their house and they were moving far away. And so I was in a stage of my life where I didn't have a backup plan. And so I was the only one responsible to make sure that I was taken care of. And that, you know, once you, that safety net goes away, you got to figure it out. It's sink or swim. And I'm a swimmer every time, always. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. And I saw your strong, beautiful portfolio and you have had experience in various real estate sectors, like a pre-construction, rental, land development, and more. Like how do these diverse experience shape your investment strategy? And do you have a preferred niche? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my preferred niche is starting to turn into that, just the alignment and the values. I don't recommend my strategy to most because it is a, it's a lot of different types of assets because right now, even I have a waterfront motel and now I'm starting to develop tiny home communities. And so they are very diverse assets. I do being uh, diverse. I like having that diversification with my portfolio, especially when the market goes up and down, it's you're not all your eggs are in one basket. But yes. this is my personality type. So my personality is where I enjoy the, the, I've always been that way. So I like to build on the skills that I develop. And then I take those skills and I transfer them into what I'm doing. And I feel very confident to do that. I often will tell, you know, any of my students or anybody that I'm talking to that you should stay in a one particular asset class because you'll start to get very knowledgeable and experienced in that area. But um, for me, it allows me to be, you know, have knowledge in all different areas and have good information and contacts all throughout. So I've been enjoying it. Great. That's so amazing. And I, because you mentioned you have a, such a training for your students, right? And I do see that you have a posting saying that, uh, you know, like action is... Mm -hmm 
how you implement it. No matter how many classes you took or how many podcasts you listen, you have to action on that. That's the key of success. Can't, you can't do anything without taking action. And it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. It, if you're not ready or willing to take those steps forward, and it doesn't have to be massive action. I think that there's an unhealthy expectation that people have to be purchasing properties, you know, every single year and growing really fast. Just need to take, you know, a step-by-step step and break it down. And it won't feel as overwhelming but too many people focus on the end result rather than one step at a time. Right, exactly. I, I agree with you. And in your like extensive career, what were some significant challenges that you faced as a real estate investor and what lessons you learned from them? Gosh, I mean, so a big challenge I faced when I was being posted from Nova Scotia to Ottawa that was about two and a half years ago. And that was a really big change in my life, A, because it was in the middle of COVID and on my own personal side, my personal residence, my um, mortgage tripled because of the property I had in Nova Scotia compared to what was available here in Ottawa. And so I had to go into overdrive to make sure that I was getting enough cash flow, that I was supplementing my income enough to support and maintain the lifestyle that I was used to in Nova Scotia. I also had a glamping retreat in Nova Scotia. It was called Bunkies on the Lake. And that was a very difficult decision. We decided to sell it at the very last minute. We were on the fence the whole time. And ultimately, that was a decision that I had to make that was from my head and not my heart because my heart loved these cottages, but my head had to take, you know, full control and say, it is not the right move to keep these. And now looking back two years later, I'm so grateful that we did that. It really helped us. Uh, we took those funds, of course, and we reinvested them somewhere else. And it's been great. I had to learn long distance investing. I had to start to just change my strategy quite a bit to start to invest here in the Ottawa market. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really cool. And I do believe like sometimes it is hard or struggling to make decision in the changing environment, right? Or the markets. And you do have to have the strong determination in your personality to be able to do that. Yeah. It's where I thrive. It's Is that any, from your military experience? <laughs> I'm sure it's a combination. I'm sure if I look back to even being a child, I have been in situations that have been challenging and, and I've always maintained this type of personality and the, the military certainly enhanced it for me. And then uh, real estate has also just taken it to the next level. And so it has become a little bit of my identity and I enjoy a challenge. Awesome. That's amazing. And I know you're also, I know you have too many roles. That's amazing. And you're also organizational psychology specialist, right? And how has your understanding of the human behavior and organizational dynamics influence your approach to risk investments and especially in terms of like tenants relationship 
uh, relations, property management, or negotiation strategies? Oh, it's been um, a game changer for me. It, I really think real estate is more about people than it is properties. And when you're able to connect with people, if you're able to read people, understand people, and communicate well, then uh, you can get pretty far in this game. So for me, it, it does feel like a little bit of an unfair advantage to have this knowledge. <laughs> and I certainly take advantage of it every single day. Wow, that's amazing. And also, I know you have been working on the land development for the tiny home community. So what's motivated you to enter the world of land development? And how does this differ from your previous you know, venture and any specific insights you'd like to share? Yeah, so I have two land development type um, projects that I'm working on. So one is not tiny homes, it's an 18 unit in Orleans, Ottawa. And I've actually partnered with land developers so that I can start to learn that process. And my role has really been on the investor relations side of it. So the capital raising and then making sure that that the communication piece has been taken care of. But for me, that's a great fit because this is an area that now I'm getting into and I'm very interested in. When it comes to the tiny homes, it's wonderful because we're not building anything. We're manufacturing these homes, but that will be done with our company. And we are going to be developing an entire community. And so we've acquired a mobile home park because from the bylaws, you can put tiny homes in a mobile home park. And so we have partnered with the owner of this mobile home park, and it's going to be done in two-phased approach development. The first phase is where we will have lots that are already serviced, ready to go. Tiny homes will go on them. And then we have another uh, section where a, a hundred more tiny homes will be placed in the next two years for an entire village. Oh my God, I love it. Oh, wow, I'm so excited for it. And do you mind if I ask, because I know the mobile park home, right? That then some of the people like who are retired, they sold their house, they picked that. So is there any difference between the mobile home compared with the tiny home that you're building? The, the difference will be, I mean, the tiny homes on wheels, but even just the way that they're manufactured, they're built for Canadian winters, so they are insulated, they're CSA approved, they've got uh, loft in them, and they're smaller, but, and they're just very, the style is there, they're just a really great option now from a mobile home. They can be moved, that is another beauty of it for the tiny homes. We've also just got approval for our specific tiny home to be to fall under the bylaws of the coach home here in Ottawa. So that has been a big step forward as well. So we've got these two avenues now for these tiny homes. And you asked me what the draw for me was, and it really is from that feel good side of investing where I know that people are seeing this as a solution to their problems. And a lot of people need that right now. Exactly. And it is, must be more affordable like, compared with the housing market. <laughs> and you might appreciate it from a broker side is that the financing isn't necessarily, you don't have to go through to get a mortgage. You can go through financing to like a vehicle or an right. RV. 
Oh, it's just like a regular loan. That's oh. right. They have wow. a bit. That's amazing. And do you mind if you can share what's the price range usually to get such a tiny home? And is it lease based because the client doesn't own the land, right? If they go in the mobile home, so we are partnered with a mobile home like two, three minutes outside of Perth. And so that's about 40 minutes from Ottawa. It's in a mobile home park called Tay Ridge. And if you are there, then you would be leasing the land. So you would purchase the tiny home. We're selling them for $175,000. They are top of the line with the manufacturing. This is, and I'll say, I'll drop Bruce Firestone's name, he is championing these tiny homes and has expressed that this is the best model that he's ever seen. And so we are selling those for $175, and then the land lease option would be $600 per month. And so you would lease the land, so you would pay that. It's like a kind of like a condo, an HOA type. Maintenance fee, yeah. Exactly. And if you were to purchase a tiny home, you could put it on your property. And then, of course, you own the land and the home. So it just depends on where you're placing the home. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. 175000 and you can own a house, <laughs> your dream home over there. A house and you can you don't have to qualify for mortgage financing. And uh, we're actually Right now, we're in works with other um, organizations from a financing perspective to make it even easier. And so this is really exciting. Yeah, that's so exciting. And I believe more and more financing company will be, you know, open the door for those type of like financing and will make it easier. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing right now. And are you only allowed the homeowner to buy that where you are allowed the investor to buy that and rent it out as well? <laughs> I love that question and because that's the the versatility of them is that no you can anybody can buy one so these are amazing products for investors because the return on investment you can capture that within like a very short amount of time so tiny homes are great for buyers for investors they're great for, you know, millennials, they're great for the elderly. They're really just, you can create pockets of communities of like-minded individuals really anywhere. It's amazing. Wow. Great. And yearly, how much would be the rental like per tiny home? In well, that that yeah, the, up to the investor, of course. So they would, I would be encouraging the investor to run the numbers, of course, price it out from like a market value standpoint, maybe like what would a one bedroom cost somebody in that area? Make sure that um, any of the fees are being covered. So if you are leasing the land, for example, an investor could purchase a tiny home and place it in the mobile home park depending on what their financing structure looks like, because when you're doing the financing through, say, Canadian financing, then mm -hmm. you get different rates. So you want to make sure that your monthly payments are being covered as well as the land lease. With Other than that, it's, you know, it's a pretty... It's a pretty good opportunity. Sure. I'm so excited about that. I feel like this could be a great option, you know, for the investors, even though for the, you know, new investor who wants to start with your journey. 
And for individuals looking to start their journey in real estate investing, like what advice would you offer based on your years of experience? I would, I advise to identify the type of asset that fits your lifestyle and your financial goals right away. Because just because you hear somebody doing tiny homes or a motel or multifamily or short-term rentals, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the right fit for you, the individual. And you have to understand what the requirements would be, how much effort needs to be in place to stabilize that property, to maintain that property. And it's once you do a little bit of research, you can then start to develop that. Of course, working with a coach is going to get you from A to Z that much quicker. It's certainly not a requirement. I, you know, I'm proof of that. I've been able to maneuver it while it took me a lot longer than had I had somebody that said, you know, Victoria, do this and this, and I probably would have done that. But really honing in on the type of asset that you want, getting to know that very well in the market that is best suited for and you're comfortable with, and one step at a time, learning how to run the numbers, learning how to find a good deal, identify a good deal, learning how to negotiate, build a team. You know, it's all very step-by-step and one thing at a time. It can feel overwhelming to begin with, but we teach, so I have a, a methodology that I like to use and it's called profit. And so that's what it is. It's like a personal assessment, know yourself, understand what type of asset fits you best, the market, what your goals are, know how to run your numbers, know how to make an offer, what conditions you should put in, where to find properties, negotiate, financing, how to actually finance it, where do you want to go, mortgage broker, straight to a bank, and then build your team. And so if you can follow those steps, you're set up in a pretty good space to get started. Perfect. Awesome. That's amazing. And thank you so much. I have learned a lot. It's really valuable and great suggestion and advice. And thank you so much, Victoria, for sharing your you know, invaluable insight and experience in the world of real estate. And like I said, your journey from military, which I'm so impressed to, and to diverse investment is truly inspiring me. And to our listeners, I hope you found today's discussion as enriching as I did. And remember, success in real estate often, you know, stem from a combination of knowledge, strategy, and adaptability. And stay tuned for more insightful episodes. And until next time, and happy investing. Thank you so much again, Victoria, for coming here today. Thank you for having me, Erin. <laughs> If you're serious about real estate investing and you want to take it to the next level with the least amount of time and mistakes, then you're going to want to sign up for our Real Estate Investor Hub. Visit CanadianRealEstateNetwork.com and hit the blue button or banner that says Free Investor Resources. Inside, you'll have access to real estate investing courses, networking opportunities, webinars featuring industry professionals as well as dedicated chat channels to share and get access to unique properties. I look forward to seeing you there.